Hey there, Fellowship family. Welcome to your one-stop shop for all things church life. I am Mark Francis, once again, your host for today. And I'm very excited to be with my friends once again. This is the fourth time we have done this. Fourth time. Wow. Yeah. So I will expand on that just a bit, but I have Rose Locke to my right. How are you, Rose? I'm doing great. And Mike Lucas to my left. Warm coffee. Yes, freezing cold coffee. weather. Yeah. And Mike Lukens over here. Yes. And Rose, you're looking at two guys who have uh, all kinds of free time because we have no football to worry about no anymore. Oh. oh, you're done with football? Cowboys yeah. and uh. Eagles both lost. <laughs> I'll tell you, that's one thing that I never embraced was this whole like football fandom, loving football thing. Good like, for you. And when people talk about it, I'm kind of like... What you don't you have those highs and lows. It, yeah. Eagles fans love the Cowboys getting <laughs> getting trashed. The Cowboys and Washington fans love seeing the Eagles go down. And uh, shout out to my friend Josh Kirby, who uh, oh, yeah. loved seeing both our teams go down. Yes, he's yeah. a commander's misery. Person. Misery loves company. I will let him know he yeah. gets the shout out yeah. so he can listen. <laughs> yes. Well, um, because we have been on this podcast three different times, I'll, I'll just briefly explain it. We've been on an episode 36 called Life oh. of Worship. We've been on episode 74, Voices and Instruments was the title. And we've been on episode 85, How Worship Fuels Our Bridge Building. Hmm. And so if you guys would like to go back and listen to any of those, this conversation today I'm excited about because we really wanted to use this new year as we've been talking about football, it means football playoffs are here. And it's a new year launching kind of a, just a, an opportunity for us to explain why we gather and what happens when we gather. And especially since we are in this post-COVID world, I think it's safe to say that um, we have shuffled the deck a little bit with attendance at church. I, I think there's a lot of, of you guys who have been attending fairly recently, and we would just want to use this conversation to explain a little bit about what we do and why we do it. So you might not even know us. We talk like we're friends up here, which is nice. But here's what I want to spring on you guys. I'll start. I want each of us to introduce the other person to oh, explain wow. uh, a little bit about what we do and our credentials. So I'll start. Sure. And um, so I'll explain, I'll give Mike an introduction here. Okay. Mike, you can introduce Rose. Rose, you can, can introduce, introduce me. Oh, exciting. How's that? <laughs> so Mike, you are our pastor of worship and creative arts. Um, you've been here in uh, FBC since 1990, right? Mm -hmm. From 91. Philadelphia. 91. 91. Yeah. Okay, right. 91. From Philadelphia, hence yes. the Eagles yes. fan. Yeah. Um, the college you went to, I think, was is now Karen University. Yes, that's yeah. correct. And it used to be called... Originally, it was yeah. when I was there, it was Philadelphia College of Bible. Okay. And then shortly after graduated, they got their university status, so Philadelphia Biblical University. Uh-huh. And then they changed it to Karen University. Karen University. Yeah. Yeah. So I have three diplomas. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But when you first started, it was youth minister, right? Yes. Youth pastor. Mm -hmm. And um, in 2006, um, became the role for this pastor of worship and creative arts. Um, so we'll unpack that a little bit as well. Um, but you have really assisted our church body over the years in growing an understanding of worship since he came on board because there was not a true worship pastor until then. So the studying, the books, the discipleship of all the many people that have come through the ministry, that is really your hat, your role, kind of painting the picture, big picture, the vision of worship for our church and um, leading the well over a hundred people who serve and volunteer. So 
um, thanks for being a part of that. And you've got your Bible open, so I'm, I know you're ready to go today. But so just it's important for us to understand who each of us are to explain why we're about ready to talk about what we're going to talk about. So, Mike. Yeah, so all that uh, books and Bibles and things in 2006 when I got hired to, you know, change from youth ministry to worship pastor was because I had no idea what worship was all about. And um, God graciously enabled, you know, gave me the time and the, the resources to, to learn and, mm. and grow in that. Still, still learning and growing. So thankful for that. Yeah. Rose Locke, our production and creative designer, uh, right? Well, yeah, sort of. Yeah. Sort production of. manager. Production creative manager designer. and creative designer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the official title, uh, so, which no one ever knows. And even I can't remember so most of Rose the Rose and Roger um, came here just a couple of years after my wife, Lori, and I got here in the 90s and uh, is a professionally uh, gifted, uh, classically trained musician, pianist, and uh, has some other creative uh, experience and, and uh, giftedness as well. So she wanted to uh, see where she could get plugged in. So jumped in with the, the choir, playing the piano and... Um, because of some needs in the the sound area, she like learned how to how to do sound and learned how to do lights and learned how to do computer stuff and and if you need to know something about the infrastructure in our venues, either the main auditorium, the lower level, things like that, uh, Rose is uh, the go-to. Oh, we we have a um, every once in a while we get some students come from Shenandoah University mm. um, to do like a. Uh, just a kind of internship type of thing. And uh, Rose gives them a tour of, of the building. And I love going on that tour because I get to learn. She knows every about, nook and cranny yeah, of the yeah, building. Yeah. Yeah. And you have learned so much. Yeah. I mean, self-taught. Yes. Yes. To a yeah. point. I, I mean, but through lots well, of books. If, and it, if, if we want to do it because we want to honor and glorify the Lord, then I want to learn how to do that. And so I think I'm a, I'm a like... Uh, I need I need a project in order to learn something. Mm. That's the kind of learner I am. So that's what's happened is if if we say, hey, this would be really cool to try, then I'm going to go figure out how to try mm. to do that. Mm. So, yeah. That's me. So now I have to introduce you. I guess so. Okay. <laughs> so um, Mark has been here. Let's see. I don't know. I don't even know how long you've been here, but I first remember running into Mark, running into Mark as he was leading worship, actually, for our ministry that we had here called Connection, hmm. which was our before um, Keystone college ministry, right? Years and years and years ago. And Mark showed himself just to be a lover of the Lord and a lover of worship and has just continued to grow in that and made himself available to lead worship. He's a really good guitar player and a really creative musical thinker. Um, and then he so kindly stepped in as um, Fellowship Bible Church has grown and our building has been being used by various ministries and community people. He stepped in to help um manage basically those productions because I, I say it this way, any, every event is produced. It's just, is the production like a casual environment or is the production like a really formal kind of thing? And so even the smallest event, there are details behind the scenes that need to be dealt with. And Mark's just a master at project management and he's a master of delegation and has just proved himself to be like a, 
a really, he's got a lot of common sense and just a really great part of our teams for all these years. And I, I'll just say it's been really fun to raise my kids with these guys. So like all three of us have children, you know, within five years of each other and our, our kids were friends and our kids played here at the church as we worked alongside one another. And so it's just been a real privilege and an honor to, to grow as a believer and to be discipled and mentored by these guys and to love and pray for each other's kids all these years. So it has been a, a rare privilege. And yeah, the years have added up. We, we began doing this really when, Mike, when you started your position, 2006, a team was formed and that's when we really started to come into it. We'll talk about that in just a bit, but that's how long it's been, 2006, um, that the three of us have been part of this ministry, planning, thinking, praying, um, caring for the church in that way. So I'm excited to dive right in because I want to really give an outline here of what we want to hopefully accomplish today in the conversation. Um, First, we really want to touch on why we gather. What's the what's the value of getting together on a regular basis Um, and and why do we do it? And then if you are here and gathering, what do we do? (laughs) What are we called to do when we gather? Um, And then the third question I want to really tackle is what's What's our contribution to that gathering? If we're in attendance, um, is it just to sit back and watch or is it participatory? So uh, let's let's touch on those three things and they all might merge a little bit together. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mike, I'll turn to you to kick us off to, to begin that conversation and then we'll chime in when you're ready to <laughs> stop talking. Stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> so you want the shorter answer or the long answer? Or both? both. Okay. Give, us, give us the so why, do, why do we gather? Yep. God commands us to gather. Um, Hebrews 10, 25 says, not forsaking the assembly together of yourselves. So, and, and there's other places that, that talk about it and, and examples in the, the early church of just gathering together. So, you know, if, if you just want a simple, short answer, you know, to be obedient to God together. Sure. Yeah. Um, the long answer, I think we need to go all the way back to the Old Testament. And uh, I'll try to make this as succinct and simple as, mm-hmm. as uh, possible without leaving some things out. Uh, so God calls the, the nation of Israel out of Egypt, rescues them, um, and brings them to himself at the mountain. And he, he talks about them being a, uh, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. And then he sets out in the, the balance of the book of Exodus, the rest of the book, in describing um, the tabernacle and the, the things that are involved with the tabernacle, the, the priesthood, the sacrifices, the furniture, the, the, the arrangement of, of all that. And we see um, in a number of places in Exodus why that was there. So what, what God's purpose was. So he, he, he drew them out of the world, so to speak, mm-hmm. out of Egypt to himself. And he wants to dwell among them and engage with them. So he, he creates and, and gives them the, the prescription to, to build this tabernacle and to do all these things. Mm-hmm. So Exodus 29, it says, um, 
uh, after he gives starts giving some of these um, offerings and, and things like that, verse 42, it should be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the doorway of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak to you there. I will meet there with the sons of Israel and it shall be consecrated by my glory or made holy or set apart. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate Aaron and his sons to minister as priests to me. I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God. They shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. So, so God just clearly states he, he wants to dwell among this chosen people um, in their midst. And the, the tabernacle and the sacrifice, sacrificial systems are a way of reminding them that they can't just come any way they please. They can't just, they, they can't approach God on their own merit or their own um, um, just desire. So God sets a way that they can. And the whole, the tabernacle and then eventually the temple is this visible uh, representation of God's presence among them. And the way that they're to approach and to dwell with him is the way that he sets out and provides. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. John, uh, in John 4, Jesus is meeting with the woman at the well, and she kind of tries to change the conversation. And she says, well, you know, you, you Jews say that you know, Jerusalem's the place of worship. We Samaritans say it's it's on this mountain. You know, where is it? And Jesus says, it's it's going to now be neither place. It's not a location base, but God is seeking worshipers who can worship in spirit and in truth. So now it's this um, <clears throat> spiritual realm, and and God through the sacrifice of Christ and what He does to draw out a people creates the church. And now the church is that, what does it say in 1 Corinthians? That you, you are the temple, temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Chapter 3 is plural. So mm -hmm. you, the church, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So same idea. We, we are to be this visible reminder that, that God is dwelling among us. And the sacrifice of Jesus Christ now is the way that we can approach God and, and, and dwell with him. And... When the church gathers, it is this visible reminder to ourselves that we are people that God dwells among. And we are this called out, chosen people. First Peter chapter 2 talks about that. Hebrews talks about it. And when, when we do gather, we are this visible representation to ourselves, to the world around us, and also to the spiritual realm. Ephesians 3.10 says that we are, you know, demonstrating the manifold wisdom of God to this, to the spiritual realm. You know, they're, mm. they're looking at the church mm -hmm. and, and seeing the wisdom of God. So when we gather together, it's that just incredible reminder of God's dwelling and, and making possible a way for us to have this relationship with him. And just as with the tabernacle and the temple, we can't come just any way we want. We can't just walk, stroll in. There's, there's ways that God's prescribed that, that that takes place. And same thing, you know, in Hebrews chapter 10, this was kind of one of the first um, passages that really helped me understand what this gathering and, and worship was all about. 
Verse 19, he says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, so we can, we can draw near by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So we can draw near and, and we need to make sure that we, we come only on this basis that, you know, our, our worship shouldn't just be like whatever we feel like or whatever we think is trendy or will attract people or, you know, on and on and on it goes and we'll get into that. But um, we need to come on the basis of Christ um, sacrifice on the cross, opening up the way for us to approach God. And then it's in the context of, of gathering. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. But, and this is another reason why we gather, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, it, it's long answer that to, it, uh, to but a it's short still, question. But it's still yeah. a short answer. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, you, can, it, you yeah. can even go back to just the creation and the, the relationship that Adam had with God mm -hmm. then and the brokenness right. that then occurred. Right. And, and that brokenness also then led to this, this need that God is like, I need to draw out this people mm -hmm. and call them out. Otherwise, they're, they're doomed. Right. <laughs> and, and so there's an example of God's mercy and grace right there with the nation of Israel. Yep to then leading into the cross to where we live today, post-cross in a world where it, it, we're all still doomed yeah. unless we then draw near to God through his son right. that he's prescribed for us. Well, and I don't think, like, I don't think we can, <clears throat> um, and I know this is a slightly different tact, but we, we can't even say that so almost flippantly. Like, I, I remember being struck by that oh, a couple years ago in a sermon series, the idea that only through the blood of Christ could we even begin to be grafted into mm -hmm. that inheritance, right? Mm -hmm. like, like God called that people. I'm not Jewish. I'm not part yeah. of that lineage. I, Abraham is not one of my ancestors as far as I know. And I think like that I couldn't turn myself into that. Right. Only the blood of Christ can do that for me. So I think like that, that is just a key factor that we need to keep in front of us all the time, right. that only through God's grace could that even begin to happen to us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's so helpful when we gather because, you know, a lot of times we, we gather for worship and we, we sometimes have these two different kind of ditches on either side. One is, you know, I've lived a terrible week and I don't have any right or deserve to, to come into God's presence. So I'm just going to kind of sit back and wait for something to happen. The other is the, the incorrect thinking of like, I've lived a good life and, you know, <laughs> God, you know, is, hmm. you know, um, lucky to have me as his worshiper. And, you know, so if we don't come with this Hebrews 10, you know, drawing near, you know, understanding that, that Jesus has opened the way, then I think it's like the, the, you know, the false worship in the Old Testament where they they brought strange fire and God struck them down. Right. You know? And then what are we even really worshiping when we come with that, like, I deserve or I don't deserve mm. mentality in that moment? Are we worshiping the um, door that's, you know, are we worshiping what God has done for us or are we worshiping our own 
feelings or behaviors right. or mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. So you really have this misunderstanding in those cases of what you've right. been called Which is here to do. why we gather. And, and yeah. that's what makes that temple imagery so cool as well uh, of this idea that God gave prescriptions mm-hmm. of what to do when they gather and, right. and why to gather. And it's kind of a, a misconception that there's no prescriptions in scripture of what we're called to do in the New Testament in our current age of why, of what to do when we gather, but there are. And, and the image there of the temple, I, I find interesting as well that, yeah, we are the temple mm-hmm. um, currently now and today with the Holy Spirit and Christ residing in us and then forming all of those believers together in one space and one time is even a bigger picture of that temple. And then you multiply that around the world. Yeah. First, first Peter says, in coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house mm-hmm. for the holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And, and so there's that picture of, stone upon stone being built up with Christ being the chief cornerstone, right. you know, and that's an image of building a house or building a, a building back in those days mm. that we are all being built together. And you can only see that when all believers are gathered together. Right. It's a picture. So there's this idea of gathering together on a regular basis that you can also say God prescribes <laughs> and it, it, with the, that Sabbath day and, and coming together to make the Lord say, and then scattering to where we scatter and those all throughout the, the world and all throughout the community, then we get back together. And there's this image of the temple coming together, not the building, not the, the physical right. walls that we're in right now, mm-hmm. but the spiritual house. Yeah. And I, that, that's a really cool image as well to think about when you come on a Sunday morning or on a Saturday night, that you are piecing all those pieces together in a way that is glorifying to God. Yeah. So, and you know, Hebrews says, you know, not forsaking that, but encouraging one another. So when, when we do gather together, it's an encouragement. Mm. Like, you know, just think about, you know, coming into the parking lot and just seeing people from <laughs> come from all different directions mm-hmm. and all different backgrounds and experiences uh, that the, the, the one common thing that we have is uh, the blood of Christ and his death, burial and resurrection that has brought us together and that's this visible encouragement to us. And I was sharing this with the choir last night that, boy, imagine if we gather together with, with, that, in, it, with that in view, that um, we are gathering together and participating um, in order to, to show off God's wisdom, his manifold wisdom to the spiritual realm. You know, so how would that change the way we mm-hmm. come and the way we prepare to gather and what we do when we gather, um, you know, how dare we sit and not participate because we're on display for the ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and God wants to, to show us off as, you know, Ephesians 2 talks about that we're his um, workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, so that God could in the ages to come display his, his grace. So just yeah, and I think I was I was um, I was preparing for this conversation by um, just thinking as I came into church last Sunday, I was thinking about like why am I publicly 
walking into this building right now. And I was thinking about worship in the context, kind of in the same context as baptism. So one of the reasons that we participate in baptism is because we want to publicly show our friends, our family, the people we work with. We want to present to them our testimony and show that we have now identified with Jesus Christ, right? And so I was thinking about that in the context of gathering together and how as we come to a public place, as we um, gather with other believers, we are proclaiming publicly to the world and to one another. And as Mike has pointed out to this spiritual realms that we identify as the bride of Christ, because in scripture, it talks about that the church is the bride of Christ. And so we are identifying as someone who is committing the same way a bride commits to love and obey and, you know, a marriage forever, we are showing publicly that we are committing to be committed to Christ our Father, and we are proclaiming that. You know, I, I think that that the public, uh, I think one of the things that people can get caught up on, maybe we're transitioning the conversation a little bit, though, is, well, why can't I worship in the woods if I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit and you know what I mean? Like there's no prescription to go to the temple and bring my sacrifice anymore. Why can't I go worship by myself? And I think that part of the answer is that the publicness of the gathering is an important thing that God has called us to as well. And we're a spiritual family. There's this component of now that we have put our trust in Christ, we are now a new creation. We are a part of the spiritual family of God. The old is gone away. The new is there. And so because of that, we're going to, we're going to be with each other forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's this, there's yeah. this kind of cool component of doing this in the here and now in this present time, in this world, before Christ returns, we get a chance to have an extended family. And so there's relationships that you can build. There's um, encouragement that can be made when you're seeing your family, mm-hmm. when you're seeing your family. You know, I mean, sometimes I don't like my family, but you know, <laughs> you, you, you get together yep. and I will you say still publicly, love them I and like Mark's them. family very much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but there's still the component of a desire to be with yeah. other people. And I think we found that through COVID of the yeah. isolation that can occur when you're worshiping in your own, in your own house yeah. and people missed that. You yeah. missed that gathering and that in-person connection. So to kind of put those two ideas together and maybe transition us to yeah. think where we want to go, you know, yes, please do go worship in the woods and, and yeah, have absolutely. this private um, communion with God. Because and, that will make our public times richer. Yeah. And listen to yeah. the music that, that inspires you and, and yeah. you know, draws you near to God. Uh, yes, gather together. But remember that it's a family gathering. And I, I like the, you know, when you, you gather a large family together for, let's say, Thanksgiving meal, you're not going to just like ask everybody what they want for <laughs> dinner. You're going to serve a common meal that hopefully everyone can uh, participate in. And that's that's what happens when we gather together each week. You know, we're, we're trying to um, see who is Fellowship Bible Church and what has God prescribed for us when we gather together. And how can we do that in a way that um, the most amount of people can participate? And I think sometimes what happens is we place this expectation on our gatherings that um, should be placed on our personal private time of, of worship. And we come wanting 
our personal needs to be met and our personal desires to be fulfilled and the songs that we like to be sung and whether we stand or sit or read together or read separately, you know, all, much, all those. How much light is in the room yeah, or how all, dark all those, the room all those is. Or. Things that kind of inspire our personal worship. You know, when we neglect that time during the week and we come and place those expectations on our gathered time, we're going to be frustrated and we're going to mm-hmm. be not participate. But when we mm-hmm. come with this view of this is the church, this is God's family, mm-hmm. this is um, something that I get to participate in and and show off God's glory in, mm-hmm. boy, we, we come with a whole different set of yeah. expectations mm-hmm. of I mean, what can and take and place. And even like, because a lot of, a lot of the role that I have stumbled into over these years has to do with, um, you know, eliminating things that can distract people and being aware of our environments and those kinds of things. I think like your meal analogy just works really well. Like how horrible in a sense, I shouldn't say horrible, (laughs) but how hard a family, how hard a family environment would it be if like, you don't pop in to help mom in the kitchen. Mm. What if mom like cooks the whole meal mm. all by herself and she sets the table and she does all the dishes and everybody else is just sitting around like drinking coffee. Like that's not, that's not the way a healthy family should function. And so I think there is that idea of like, when you come gather, you are part of a family, you are part of the process mm. and you are part of the participation and you are part of what's happening. And unfortunately in our culture, we really have, have developed this, like, I'm going to go and sit and be entertained and, you know, kind of mentality as opposed to I'm going to go and be part of a family that is ministering and proclaiming the Lord to the spiritual realm. And when you do come, you know, you essentially are being a host. Mm. You you know, you go to your person's house and you want you're not going to always just expect to be served like you're saying and sit there and do nothing but this is our house this is our church home and how can i look around and host all the other people around don't think that that's mark carey's job to host the entire church when you see him up in the pulpit or mike lucan's job being the worship leader everybody who's gathering here has a purpose when they're coming to participate first peter 410 as each one has received a special gift. So everyone has received some gift from, from the Holy Mm -hmm. spirit, employ it in serving one another as good stewards Mm -hmm. of the manifold grace of God. So there you go. You know, we're we're not all cooking the dinner. We're not all, you know, setting the table, but look, what ways can we come understanding what role we have to play and, and being a good steward of the grace that God I has mean, given just, us. I mean, just like a simple example, um, last night we had choir and it is, um, I don't know when people will listen to this, but it is a cold, icy kind of mm-hmm. time. And um, so like one of the gentlemen who comes to choir and he already has a servant heart, mm-hmm. but he comes and he wants immediately to, to make sure that people are available to help people across the icing parking lot. And he's grabbing the five pound bucket of salt and going out there and mm-hmm. throwing it down because mm-hmm. he's not just here to, to I receive, don't know, to receive. Yeah. Thank you for the word. He's here to serve and to care and love for other people. Yeah. And what a beautiful encouragement. Then in turn, that becomes such an encouragement to me. And it encourages me to have that heart. And it it shows the Lord to me because he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about other people, which is something we only do when the Holy Spirit is working in hmm. us and on and on and on. The consequences of this guy simply picking up a bucket of yeah. salt. 
cut go, yep. you know? Which is the <laughs> demonstration of the wisdom of God and bringing together of people that are his church, his body, his family, his spiritual building. Um, so Diversity. We, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's there. So if we are now kind of unpacking why we gather and what our contribution is, what is the prescription? What what does scripture call us to do when we gather? If it's not a, necessarily about ourselves, <laughs> which we can keep talking about mm-hmm. that, it's not about our personal preferences and our personal worship. What is it when we do gather? And, and then how does that translate into what we specifically do here at FBC? Mm-hmm. Great question. Fire away. <laughs> <laughs> so we sing some songs, we listen to the word, and then we go home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I, I, I think, um, you know, it, there, there, like you said, there's, there is no, um, like, order of worship listed in the mm-hmm. New Testament, you know, like there is in the Old Testament for the, for the sacrifices and the, the festivals and things like that. But what we can um, put together is that we are together. And there's some specific things that are prescribed that we're to do when we gather. Um, you know, it talks about the um, public reading of scripture, praying together, devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, which, mm-hmm. you know, the, the word. Um, the first uh, uh, Colossians, uh, just go there. That's just yep. a really important passage um, in this whole discussion. Colossians 3. Mm-hmm. I have to put down my coffee. Okay. As you hear the pages turning, (laughs) we're getting there. Colossians 3. Yep. So he's talking about all these, the the relationships that we have and, and, you know, putting off the old, putting on the new and and these right relationships, um, you know, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. um, And beyond all these things, put on love. Let the peace of Christ, this is verse 15. Peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. And he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. So it's not just come to listen to teaching, but teach and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So this um, teaching, admonishing, encouraging one another is such an important part of what happens when we gather. And part of it is through our singing together. And we can spend a whole podcast on on like why why singing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God, I, f- I forget it's, you know, close to 200 times throughout scripture, these commands to sing. Um, so it's an important part. And singing is a way that, that we um, are able to feel and experience truth and yeah, proclaim truth. And also, truth. I think it has to do with, like, um, we, we go back and forth sometimes about reading scripture. Mm-hmm. And because you can get so distracted by, like, who says the word first <laughs> that you, like, it distracts you from the content of the scripture. Whereas mm-hmm. when you're singing, when you're putting... Um, words to rhythms, mm-hmm, 
So forget melodies for a second, but right. when you're putting words to rhythms, now there's no, okay, this is when it happens, it's right? A, it happens at this unit, moment. There's a unity yeah. that's displayed, yeah. <laughs> which is why we have had three other podcasts before where I know we've touched a little yeah. bit on this right. subject yeah. where you can go back and listen to that singing component. But the, there is this giving attention to the word mm -hmm. component. There is a, a celebration that is called to occur of giving praise and thanksgiving to God. There's a remembrance. Mm -hmm. You know, we can look at the first <clears throat> Corinthians passage of what communion union looks mm -hmm. like as well. Um, and, and all of that is wrapped around the gospel. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to summarize it, right? Yeah. And if I can just add, there's a relationship component, Mark, that I think um, I've just, I, it's kind of been something that I've been rattling out in our meetings a couple times lately, because like the passage that Mike just read, he stopped short of where Colossians goes on and starts to talk about relationships, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah. this admonishing and encouraging, it's all, it all happens in the context of relationships, right? And our church is talking a lot about about discipleship right now and building discipleship relationships, but there's something about the relationships in worship and knowing that person next to you and what their week was like and how to encourage one another. And I get that it's really challenging in our really large church environment, mm -hmm. but there is something about knowing mm -hmm. you're going to come here on Sunday morning and you're going to see Jennifer Wiseman in the lobby. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know her name and you know who she is and you know that she's probably going to be present. And if she's not, you're wondering why. Right. And that's showing love to one another. And in First Corinthians, um, the chapter about love um, is preceded by a chapter about our giftings, mm -hmm. right? And it says that if we have our giftings, but they're not practiced, basically what it's saying, if we have these giftings, but they're not practiced in the context of loving one another, then they're like loud and noisy gongs, mm -hmm. right? And so there is something about the corporate gathering itself and the relationships we're building with the people around us that I feel like mm -hmm. is really important. Yeah. And I'm still, I'm studying and exploring that right now myself. So maybe I've talked about it a little soon, but I just... Mm -hmm. want to still think on that idea yeah. more. And there's, yeah, go ahead. So um, it, maybe again, my, sh my short answer of like what, what we're to do, I think is in that first um, Corinthians 11, where it talks about the Lord's Supper to that. There's two, two key words, I think, remember and proclaim. And if we go back to the, to the tabernacle, mm -hmm. the, the, the tabernacle was this visible reminder that God was dwelling in their midst and a proclamation to the world that they were a chosen people for God. And at the center of that was a prescribed way that God enabled that and initiated that to take place. So when we gather together, we're to remember and proclaim, mm -hmm. remember that and make this visible that, that God has um, called out a people to himself and proclaim it to each other, to the world around us, to the spiritual realm. Um, and, at the center of it is the sacrifice of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection that make that all possible. So that's why our songs center around this gospel proclamation and remembrance. That's why, um, you know, our, our, the, the service, really, that's, that's kind of the basis of how we plan our services. How, how can we, um, you know, understand the, the, the word that's going to be taught for the morning, but also how can we gather together and remember and proclaim? How can we remind ourselves of the, who we are in Christ because of what he's done for us and proclaim that and encourage us to go out until we can continue to live lives of, of worship, um, relationship with, with our King. 
And there's a, a word that sometimes is scary for more modern and contemporary people, liturgy, mm-hmm. that um, is just basically saying it's an order, right? It's just a, a reason of why you're doing certain things in a, in a sequence. Mm-hmm. And over the years, we're not, we're not new at this. I mean, other mm-hmm. believers have been doing this right. for 2,000 years now, right. trying to figure out what you do when you gather. And so assimilating this into our Fellowship Bible Church family, um, we've been planning services since 2006 um, as a team where the three of us have been there. And just so you guys watching and listening know, there's a team of people, um, including the teaching pastor, including two or three others, including us. So at least five or six people every single Tuesday to think through strategically how can we um, have a, a liturgy and order of worship that is um, meant to accomplish those things. And when you look at it, then some of the non-negotiables are there's going to be a sermon, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? There's going to be some singing. There's going to be prayer, um, which we've, we've had the elders say we want them to model corporate prayer. And then you can plug and play other things that would go into there, which would be confessionals, reading of, of scripture, um, there, there's going to be body life comment, comments of just what happens for our church life. So you can you can see that there's a, a typical sequence mm-hmm. if you attend here on a regular basis of what goes on. And it is thought through and prayed through very extensively. Um, but yet at all, it, there's a creativity involved mm-hmm. with what we do as well that... Um, our desire is for it to still stay fresh in our minds. If well, we sang the same song every in the same, did the same thing every single week after week, it would get really old. Yeah, right? I'll go back to the word that like uh, you started your comments with the word liturgy. Yeah, and I think the reason that, um, at least I'll I'll call it my generation. At least like in the maybe even the late seventies into the eighties, I think one of the reasons that we reacted so strongly to to the word liturgy was because there was this sense that people were going through services by rote because every, because, because there were so many prescribed and written liturgies. It's like people were saying words without understanding the meaning behind them. And so that generation, the late seventies, early eighties reacted to liturgy by discarding it. Mm in a sense and saying, you know, that that's rote. That's not, that's not really meaningful. Cause it's not from the, if I can use the word from the heart, mm-hmm. like there was a, a lot of reaction against that word without a really good understanding of what the positive parts of liturgy were. And so I think that, um, I think that maybe now we have a maybe more balanced approach because we understand that there was value in the history. Like those, those prayers and those creeds did not come together by one person jotting it down in a notebook, right? Those have been tested and tried by time, but when they are approached without the heart of understanding that Mike's talking about, without this understanding that, you know, this is a, this is a privilege that Christ died for us and has opened this way. Um, these aren't just words on a piece of paper. And so I think um, at least in our planning, we, we, we try to find that balance between honoring the old um, without it becoming rote and also um, embracing the fresh, the creative God who reveals himself, continues to reveal himself through time and through um, people that he has created. So I think, 
I think we try to find that balance without um, becoming overly rote. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. What I'm yep. trying to say, you know, yeah. one of the, <clears throat> the the pitfalls of of moving away from liturgy. Liturgy is, has in its root the work of the people. So there's this idea that that we're all participating together and doing this work of worship. Um, and when we threw out that idea of liturgy, we move to uh, a stage and performers, which leads to, you know, smoke and lights and dark rooms and, uh-huh. you know, lots of things that yeah. like pe- we come now to be, I hate, you know, hate to say it, but some churches come to be entertained, entertained. by the performers mm-hmm. on the stage. Yeah, it's really interesting. I just I just throw this at you because I know we're not here yet because we're, yeah. we're still talking about values and philosophy. Yeah. We're not talking about like practice, yeah. but it's really funny if you ever a chance to read some like conversations between churches about should we spend X number of dollars on a haze machine so you can see our lights better, right. mm-hmm. you know, and it just kind of like... It's just it's just interesting where our culture and our worship cultures yeah. have gone. Yeah. So I think part of where this idea of liturgy comes from is, um, you know, you can go back to Isaiah chapter six, where Isaiah is, um, t- you know, transported to the throne room, throne room of God. And, um, you know, it starts with the, the glory of God being seen and the smoke of you know, filling the temple and his, you know, the, the, his train of his robe and all this, you know, the glory of God and Isaiah's response to seeing this and the, the, the angels singing, holy, holy, holy is woe is me, I'm undone. You know, so when we begin our service with the glory of God, it should lead us to um, a recognition of our need and our brokenness. And then what does God do? You know, he, he, cleanses Isaiah, takes mm-hmm. the burning coal and cleanses his lips um, and reaffirms his, you know, um, invitation to be there. And that's that's what happens with us. We, we remind ourselves of what Christ has done on the cross and who we are because of that, um, not our own merit, but Christ. And then we hear from God. He, you know, he, he talks to Isaiah and, you know, who, who shall I send? Who will go for me? You know, I, you know, I want to reach this people. And Isaiah is sent out and we, you know, we hear from God in his word and we're sent out to, to do his, his work for another week. And uh, I think liturgy in, you know, th- throughout the, the history of the church has followed that mm. progression of, you know, that, that being the order, the, the glory of God, the, the need of man, mm-hmm. the sinfulness, the confession, the mm-hmm. affirmation of the gospel, um, the, you know, the teaching of the word, you know, the, the Lord's table fits in there, mm-hmm. um, typically at the end of, of all that. Um, and then a, a commissioning, a benediction, sending out. Right. Yep. And let's, let's yep. return to some, like, um, like that's the gospel, right? That you just shared mm-hmm. as well, right. Right? right? So that same liturgy is a painting of the gospel, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? And that same liturgy, I mean, even outside the world of the church, like, Go to any high school literature class where they're teaching you the shape of a good story and mm-hmm. you're doing Freitag's <clears throat> pyramid and all those kinds of things. Like what you just showed was like what even non-Christians world acknowledge as as a perfect story right. and the greatest story. Right? right. Which goes back to that is what we are reminding ourselves on reminding ourselves of recounting and reshaping every week and proclaiming right. to one another 
to the world and to those spiritual realms. Excellent. So here's yeah. the fun part and the unique <laughs> the fun part. and challenging <laughs> the parts challenging as part. well. Yeah. Because when you look at even our body, I would call us a melting pot of all <laughs> kinds of different backgrounds and denominations and upbringings. And, and we are looking at things from this biblical lens and have this liturgical way of putting together a worship service. And the, we are all broken people coming together. Admit that as well. That yeah. when we gather, we're all broken people who are sinners, who have a need and who have our own personal desires that we want to put over top of what God has put out there. Mm -hmm. So having said all that, we, we want to <laughs> still put together a service that is honoring and acknowledging what our church body is going to receive. Mm -hmm. And in a way, you know, we're not going to, I'll be honest with you, we're not going to play hip hop music here because we know that our church culture and our, 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 people around us are okay, probably not so, receive it well. So here we go. Like yeah. I react really strongly to that because, <laughs> well, inside I react strongly to that, Mark, because, because of what you just said, we are a melting pot, yeah. you know? Well, and maybe, so, maybe it works. And also like I, I love, I've said it on a million podcasts now. So everyone here knows this. I love art yeah. and I love creativity and I think there's some cool stuff happening in hip hop <laughs> and maybe... It would be fun to do a hip hop song sometime. I would Maybe, love to. Yeah. You know, so, uh, so when you say we're not going to do hip hop, anytime I hear that, my kind of gut goes. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> we came close with the Crowder song, Good God Almighty. That yeah, that was close. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. But, uh, so, I still don't know what style that song is. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's anyway. country hip hop. It's country. Gospel, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for watching and participating. We're going to push pause on this specific conversation to get you ready for more to come next episode. So part two of this conversation will occur on the next episode. Look forward to watching and listening and participating in that. I appreciate your time and excited to share the rest of the conversation with you to come. Until we meet again, let Christ be the focus of our lives each and every day.